You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Steps, he fires. It is Landon Collins for the fourth straight game. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan on Wild Card Weekend. What's up, Mike? What's up, Grump? Just did a uh, 22-hour bender in Vegas, followed by jet lag, so I don't even know what state or time it is or what day it is, but, you know, it's wild card weekend and the Giants are nowhere to be found. Making it back from Vegas is 100% of the battle, so. Exactly. I I applaud you on your efforts. And winning some cash is even nicer, too. Making the, the rare deposit into the ATM instead of the withdrawal for more money is very exciting. Nice. I'll use that for my Giants playoff fund, which is growing every month. <laughs> every year. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, Wild Card Weekend just went uh, went by. We had a couple of matches that were sort of interesting. Uh, Tennessee and Kansas City rings a bell. Um, I thought I, they were all interesting. I, I, made, a, I made a tweet during um, the Jacksonville game that low-scoring – does not equal boring. Oh, know? it totally bo- doesn't. Yeah, and, and just it was exciting. You know, it. You know, I, everybody thinks every game has to be a thousand to nine ninety nine for it to be fun and exciting. And if you're, you know, I'm sorry, but I am not an, a network executive. I need to have every single eyeball in the country watching. And if the casual football fan doesn't like it and turns off, I don't give a shit. I mean, that was uh, it was kind of ugly. You know, the, the, let's start with the Jacksonville game. You know, it's uh, yeah. Like Bortles is not a good quarterback. No, <laughs> we know this. And Tyra Taylor is not really a good quarterback either. And you know, kind of balmy conditions. That's not an excuse. It's just, you know, at this point there are no style points. You don't have to worry about the polls. It's just, just win. And and, and Jacksonville did it. I I have to make the argument. Uh, I think the lower scoring games in the playoffs are more exciting. Um, you know, when it's kill or be killed. Like it is in the playoffs, um, every big play matters in those low-scoring games. You know, maybe there's not a lot of touchdowns, but that one forty-yard bomb that sets you up into field goal position. I mean, all those you know, tight roping the sidelines, the fingertip catches. It, it's all so important, and I actually like the low-scoring games. I mean, when you're when it's your team in there, it's it's miserable. And I have to say, one of the worst experiences of my life was the 2011. Uh, conference championship game in San Francisco, which wasn't particularly low scoring. It was middle of the road, but it, it was another one of those instances where it was a battle of field position, a battle of defenses. And there's a picture of me with my hair in every direction from that, watching that game. I, I had no personality whatsoever. I was on the verge of death, um, yeah. but it was the most exciting game. It was great. Oh, <laughs> looking back on it now, you know, how many years, six, seven years later is great. I was I was at that game and I remember just feeling like, you know, and it was cold and, and miserable, you know, light rain, like a misty rain. And just you're thinking, you know, you don't want to blow a chance to go back to the Super Bowl losing a game like this. And when it went to overtime, it was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> this team is just going gonna to tear out my intestines one way or another. So I, I but I mean. I'm back on the topic of wildcard weekend. This is being recorded a day before you hear it, which is the, what is it? Fifth year, sixth, 
must be must be the fifth anniversary of the only home playoff game at MetLife Stadium, which we were both at, which was a twenty-four to two romping of the Atlanta Falcons. So one of the better memories we have. That's right. Yeah, I remember that was. So that was uh, six, five years ago, six years ago. I guess it was technically in twenty twelve because it was the twenty eleven season, right? Yes. Oh, but it's twenty eighteen now. So yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, <laughs> We're getting older, years. man. Yeah. <laughs> Also, just one little quick side note. As we are recording this, the national championship game is going on. So you will hear live reactions as I suffer through watching Georgia play in this game. So just a little note. If you hear a random squeal or a profanity, that's what that's for. So, uh, uh, You know, on the topic of uh, these low-scoring games and how, how meaningful each play is, etc., um, I saw a n- nonstop stream of – um, I, I, I guess you would say professional analysts of some kind, whether they're journalists, writers, commentators, network analysts, etc., complaining about how instant replay is ruining the game. Um, fuck them. Fuck that. Fuck all of that. I, I That destroys me. To, to have the technology to get a call right and then just be so bitter and annoyed that it takes a couple of fucking minutes – just to make sure it's right. You know what? When it's your t- I know that the NFL is an entertainment business, but it's more than that. You know what I mean? It's an entertainment business for you know us as Giant fans watching the playoffs and the Giants aren't in. But when the Giants are in it and you're spending money to go to the games, the last thing I want to deal with is fucking bullshit bad calls that could have easily been called right, but because of human error and because of some Bucks, like lack of patience. Well, it's a safety uh, net too. Right. Yeah, it's also a safety net where they make the bad call, knowing they can go to replay and make the right call too. Yeah. But but you know, to your point, forget the entertainment factor. I was just in Vegas. I was watching some games in a sports book. That's not entertaining to those people when they put you know twenty five, a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand dollars on a game. It's serious business, and every call is critical. So. I think my main thing with instant replay, and I was always always been all for it. I still am all for it. It's just by this point, some of the the bugs in the system should have been worked out by now. The inefficiency of time, where sure. you know, and and my thing always with instant replay is that I am all for instant replay when it is an objective thing they are trying to change. Did the play go off before the, you know? the zero on the, on the clock was his foot inbounds or out of bounds. Did the ball cross the plane? Things that are measurable, very definable that can be changed. You know, I think the problem with replay is, and you see in all sports is, you know, the things are truly subjective. Was it holding? Yes or no. Was it pass interference? Yes or no. Was it a catch? Yes or no. I mean, you're compounding two different problems with the catch all the time where it seems like the rules are changing every year. The interpretation of the rules seems to change almost every play. So you can't blame instant replay on that. You have to blame how are you interpreting the rules. And if you're interpreting rules, that's kind of that gray area for me where she even have reads the replay to begin with. I get that. Um, and you know, I, I did make a tweet about this because I, I, I couldn't imagine why so many people were coming out against it just this weekend for some reason. But 
um, you know, we can quibble over when it's necessary and when it's not, but the idea of completely eliminating it is is silly. It's just it's stupid. Here. Right. Um, and, you know, we have owners who make a lot of money from a team going from wildcard weekend to Super Bowl to get screwed because of some stupid play that's very clear in instant replay. You know, Grump, before you were born, I remember this is one of my earliest memories of watching football. And I think a lot of old timers who are watching this remember this. 1979, AFC Conference Championship game, Houston at Pittsburgh. Guy, a tight end was a tight end for Houston, catches a touchdown in the back of the end zone. They called him out of bounds, and his foot was clearly in bounds. It's like one of the first examples of replay where they blew up the screen. Mm. You know, so you can clearly see his foot was in bounds. And, you know, to this day, the Oilers slash Tennessee Titans have never won a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying they would have won the Super Bowl, you know, against the Rams in that whatever Super Bowl 14 or 15 that was. But that was a key play in the game, and they did not go to the Super Bowl you know, partially because of that. So you're right. You know, I think people are more frustrated with the system and the way it's being replay is implemented. Um, anytime you do slow down the flow of a game, it, it is a distraction and an annoying, but guys, these officials are older men who are not in position or not as fast as world-class athletes. And they are going to miss calls. The rule book, there is no clause in the rule book that says if somebody's inbounds or out of bounds based on the judgment of the official. The official is supposed to be really no difference between the official's eyes and a camera's eyes. So if you have the technology now, you know, and also you can improve the technology. I to this day do not understand why in every NFL stadium for every single game, there is not one camera down each sideline. Each end zone. That's four fucking cameras. Yeah. You can't have that technology. I mean, if they have antennas with the with the ball at they know in ten seconds if a ball's in or out, you can't come up with that technology, whether it's a you know, a chip in the ball or some sort of infrared thing or something that you know you, you can't do that. So I, I think it's still in its relative infancy instant replay with respect to the history of the game. And but I, I think this time that they need to get more common sense and technological advances and to make it better because, you know, people are going to bitch, you know, we, we, we get that, but eliminate the bitching for the process as opposed to the, the, the philosophy of having replay here, here, just kind of want to talk about, uh, Eli Apple decided that it was best to get into a Twitter tussle with giants fans over cheering on his Ohio State teammates, which I have no problem with now. Uh, you know, this is different. This is different than this is the the the, the, the problem when you're rooting ag- rooting for a guy playing against you directly is a big difference than your, which I consider your flesh and blood is your college team. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and their season is over. Yes. You know, he's he's a, he's a fan of of his college. I have no problem with this at all. And probably uh, friends of these guys. Yeah, Eli Apolis is what, the end of his second year? So there's a very good chance that some of those guys he did play with or um, at least was involved in their recruiting. Yeah. Um, it's just another example of just bad decision-making and bad judgment. 
Well, I think I think part of the problem is, you know, and I, I, I see guys like even Snacks gets into it a little bit with fans just – and by gets into it, I mean states his position. Like, hey, I know this guy. He's my buddy. I'm rooting for him, whatever. And, you know, that's just stating your opinion. But what Eli Apple did was he was starting to make fun of people's appearances. Yeah, well, there's I – mean, that's right. There's always a little bit of a when you a, a smile and a wink when these guys, you know, the guys that do social media well, mm-hmm. you know, they they play they play with the fans, they interact, and they have you know try to have it lighthearted, good nature. Eli Apple just again a, a terrible decision that he makes. He just has such poor judgment. Where you're right, saying things that are going to piss off people. I don't think Snacks is trying to piss off anybody. No, when he's going back and forth, this is someone that's just an angry guy and is just. He's a complete mess. I mean, to be honest, I think he just wants out of here. I, I don't really know, but you think regardless, he wants to be in the NFL anymore? No, I mean, New York. Or just out of New York? Yeah, New York. I think I think he might even need it. He might need a fresh start. But regardless, the real story here, I mean, or I guess maybe the second level of this is on Twitter. Odell Beckham came out to tell him to stop wasting his energy, stop wasting his time. And, you know, not not do what he's doing, saying that he's above this and he's better than this and not to do that. Um, my initial reaction was, like, why why are you doing – like, why are you getting involved? But then the more I thought about it, it's actually really smart because – It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I, yes. I, know, I know you can say, like, oh, he's trying to be a leader or whatever. But, you know, my thought was, like, why don't you just call him, text him, be like, dude, knock it off, whatever. But then I thought about it. And I remember Landon Collins saying that, you know, hey, we all sat down and talked to him. We told him to whatever. And then Eli Apple was like, hey, that never happened. Now there's yeah. – now we all know that Beckham tried to intervene. It's on the record, right. And I think, you know, Beckham could use some help with his PR. He could use, you know, some good pub. And this is something that it looks like he's trying to help. Whether he's sincere about it or not, it doesn't matter. He's not coming off as the bad guy in this thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any problem with him kind of going there. And the way these, you know, these kids, they sound like an old man, you know, get off my lawn. But you connect with them as much on social media as you do one-on-one. I mean, it's just a different world that we live in than we did 10, 15 years ago. And things that are spoken to you through Twitter or Facebook or texting resonate exactly the same. Now, everybody, you're right. Everybody can see it. But I don't know. I, I, I We've talked about this on previous shows where you're going to see guys no longer on this team that don't make sense from a football standpoint, but they have to change the culture. And this is definitely example one of somebody who has to leave. I yeah. just wonder what his value is in the rest of the league as a guy who not even two years into his career could not hack playing for the New York Giants in New York. It's not even like an on-the-field thing. I mean, he wasn't great on the field. He also wasn't the biggest problem on the field. I mean, no. was he? But, I mean, no. his problem was that he couldn't get his head straight, which is worse. Right. And I think not the, the, not being prepared had him bench as opposed to poor play. Yeah. I mean, I, I think also his attitude shows to me like a um, sort of a sheep mentality. Where he's, he's like – He's not the guy starting the mutiny. He's just one of the mutineers. Yeah. And and to me, it it, it just comes off as like mental weakness. Um, you know, like 
a mutiny never really results in success, especially when it's not you're not on a boat. I mean, really, like you guys should rally together and try and figure shit out because, you know, the season's going to happen whether you like it or not. So, you know, if the coach gets fired, he does. But to be walking out of practice, be walking out of an honest discussion on who needs to get better and who screwed up, it's just – it's all mental weakness. It's yeah. just, just, and, just a baby. You know, and it's, just, it, it's being babied throughout your life. Yeah. It's being babied by your high school coach. It's being babied by your hangarounders. It's being babied by, you know, the local media as being, you know, the big fish in a small pond wherever he's from. So when you being have baby by your entire, mom, baby by your mom. So you're, you're having this for the first 20 years of your life. And guess what? You're not going to know how to react. Yeah. Well, there's no there's no further way up the chain than the NFL. So, you know, this is where the babying has to come to a stop. If he hasn't learned that by now, I'm not really sure he ever will. Yeah, well, you know, something he has to get a nine to five job if he, you know, is out of the league before he's 25. He'll learn the hard way. Yeah. Well, in any case, also this weekend the the Giants' coaching search continues. Uh, Some winter storms forced them to rearrange their schedule for head coach interviews. Um. Jim Schwartz, it's still not known if he even has an interview or like when it is or what the deal is. Um, for all I care, he can fuck off. I, I don't I don't want anything to do with him <laughs> at all. Um, and I find it really weird because you know how these things leak. They're they're controlled leaks. It's the kind of thing that you know someone on the condition of uh, anonymity, anonymity, yeah, yeah. Is, is allowed to you know say this or that. Um, and it's, you know, it's in the control of the organization. So, you know, the idea that Jim Schwartz was on the slate to be interviewed was news like two weeks ago. And then it was sort of retracted a week later. And then now it's back on, but now there's no date. And it, it kind of makes me think that they're, they're playing this dance, doesn't it? Yeah, don't forget what these leaks also come from the other side too. I mean, agents of agents of coaches are notorious for leaking and pumping up their, their clients too. So you don't know what to believe when you're hearing these different stories until things actually happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, in any case, Matt Patricia, Pat Shermer, and Josh McDaniels were all interviewed this week. Um, you know, we, there's uh, the the running backs coach from Denver is still on slate to be interviewed, and Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator for Carolina, is blo- believed to be a front runner based on his ability to control a room and you know, control the people in it. You know, I, I guess that's important if you want a head coach to head coach and not, you know, be also the defensive coordinator. You know, uh, I think it was the Detroit Lions were blocking the Packers from interviewing Terrell Austin. Yes. I think that was right, right? Who recently accepted a lateral move to Chicago. Um, so this is this is sort of breaking news as as we're doing this, but only a couple hours ago it was announced that Terrell Austin will be the defensive coordinator for the Bears, which is weird. Who hired somebody named Matt Nagy, who is the offensive coordinator, I believe, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that happened the, this morning, yes. Yeah, and the Bears were believed to be one of three teams interested in Josh McDaniels, besides the Patriots, which was the Bears, the Colts, and the Giants. So I, uh, you know, I. 
I can't speak for Cranky Fan, but, you know, Josh McDaniels is at this point probably my number one. You know, if it comes down to the Colts or the Giants, which do you think he'd rather choose? I mean, I know you can— Andrew Luck is the answer. But is it that easy? There's a couple other things to keep in mind. First of all, Jim Ursay is an idiot. He's a bad owner. Um, I wouldn't want to work for him. Andrew Luck and the number two overall, uh, number three overall pick. Those are two pretty attractive pieces. Um, so Andrew Luck is also another one. But I mean, do you have concerns about him being injured going forward? I mean, that's a. But then you have the number three pick, where True. you know. If if the organization knows more than we know, and they really think there's a concern about Andrew Luck going forward, you know they're they're drafting a quarterback, so and that problem's kind of solved. But I mean, is it really that stark of a difference between bad owner, you know, questionable, either elite quarterback or injury prone quarterback, and number three pick, or you know, decent ownership? You know, you know, five years ago I would have said great ownership. Um, you know, decent ownership, a quarterback who is elite, but on the, the waning years of his career, you might get one year out of him, maybe two at, at most possible. And the number two overall pick. I mean, is well, it really that stark of a contrast? Well, I look at it a different way. Does a coach look at his path to the Super Bowl a lot easier in the AFC and in that division than it is the NFC? Well, you know, the, the NFC East is going to have to deal with, you know, uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys, you know, someday at some point the Redskins will get their shit straight as opposed to, you know, Jacksonville looks pretty good without a quarterback, without a quarterback. And, you know, until they get a quarterback, but the, the AFC as a whole is, yeah. I think is significantly weaker than the NFC. So your chances of getting, you know, to the Super Bowl are, I think a lot easier. Well, I mean, so. you're almost guaranteed to play the Patriots in the AFC. That's true, but I mean, again, and we're going to get to this topic coming up soon, but you know, you have a 40 year old Tom Brady, you have a 65 year old Bill Belichick, you have a 78 year old Robert Kraft, you know, you have two coordinators who are probably going to be head coaches next year. And I get it that Belichick has gone through this kind of, uh, Losing of coordinators and generating a next generation of them, but you know that this is not going to last forever. The Patriots, so yeah. I mean, to me, I, I don't think that one really outweighs the other. The only thing is, I would look at my boss, and I, I would feel more comfortable working for the Mares than I would Jim Irsay. Yeah, uh, but it also didn't impact a guy like Tony Dungy, who is a you know a well-respected coach. He's not going to, you know. You take his, you know, his opinion was, you know, he thought it was okay working there. I also think the league kind of has a little tighter leash on these owners than they did 15, 20 years ago, too. I suppose so. Um, Do you think there's any truth to, I, I mean, one of the things I heard was, would Josh McDaniels really, you know, be the head coach for the Colts because of the deflate gate scandal? I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard guys don't care yeah i i mean the the idea was that he's like best buddies with tom brady and it would be a slap in the face and i I mean do they really view it that way that seems so silly to me tom brady is never giving him a job worth the same amount of money as being a head coach or the prestige as being a head coach i mean he's what he's gonna do he's gonna uh you know 
hold some grudge forever because of yeah the... i mean come on i mean if you read the espn report apparently that they've made up the two teams or or, or some sort of combination of craft and or belichick with with the cult so i mean i think that's that's water under the bridge at this point let's talk about that espn report was that total horseshit because it seemed like hogwash to me um i would i think par, i think the part about Garoppolo being told to be traded, I think makes sense. Sure. Because that makes, that makes, it doesn't make any sense in the way how the, how the Patriots operate under Belichick, especially after they traded, um, Jacoby Brissett a couple, you know, months earlier. So they went from having, you know, a legitimate third string quarterback to having to get Hoyer off the, you know, the waiver wire to get a backup quarterback of any type. So that, did, that didn't make any sense. Um, is there real, is there a division in the organization over this TB12 and over Guerrero? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not the first time you've had a star quarterback or a star athlete having his entourage kind of infringing on the, you know, the sanctity of the locker room or in or the organization. So I, I think that's possible too. Um, My interpretation I, I, of the whole thing was that there were some minor truths that ESPN blew up into some giant. It was almost like a like a whistleblow. Like, well, I think I what it is know, is like a like a I think, huge story that wasn't really a huge story. It was just a bunch of little things that they blew out of proportion. I think ESPN looks for material that they can fill the rest of their week with with all their stupid hot take shows, mm-hmm. and something like this is they're creating, you know, content for all of these idiot talking heads to kind of, you know, go back and forth with their ridiculous takes. So, you know, ESPN is not a news organization. It is entertainment and sports. Mm. So I think people kind of think that ESPN and sports center and ESPN.com and ESPN, the magazine are legitimate news services, the way, I'm not going to get into a political argument here, whether like CNN or Fox or, you know, NBC News are. It isn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as long as they're not lying, you know, and they're not, you know, not telling the truth. I don't know. They, they're going to they're going to cre- ESPN is always going to be about ESPN first. Yep. You know, how many times have you saw in the last month commercials for the college football playoff? All month, and then when you get to the first game, all it is is commercials for the next game. I mean, all it is, all they do is promote themselves, and the next thing they'll be on the ESPN uh, network or on their app. So it's interesting how the NFL and the ESPN and all, all the networks have this very, you know, tap dancing relationship of what they are considered partners. Yeah, you know, is, is this type of story good for the National Football League? Is it positive? Or negative? Is it positive as a whole for the NFL if the mighty Patriots are, you know, has really probably no impact on the game this weekend and on the field, but there are a lot of people who hate the Patriots because A, they've won five Super Bowls in the last 17 years, and B, they cheated, and C, Belichick's a prick, and D, Brady's got the wife who's a big mouth, and all these different things. And E, they're from Boston, and people hate Boston. So I don't know. I, 
I, I, I, it's interesting how that story came out the same week as that uh, Thomas that Wolf book about Trump, where hmm. there are a lot of small truths that probably are accurate, whether it's a quote or uh, you know an anecdote that did happen. But does it all collectively mean that everything in it 100% is true? We don't know, but yeah. enough enough can be inferred that in the collective consciousness, you know. That now Belichick, Brady, and Kraft are, you know, three separate islands, and you know, Trump's incompetent. You know, just based on what you read in these books, so in these stories. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> my my take on it was I, I sort of read it and just just the biggest eye roll I could muster, and then moved on. And uh, I think honestly, I felt like it was supposed to be because the the report was hyped up the night before. Um, yeah. So that almost fueled into my my take on it was just all right. I get it. This sort of happened. This sort of happened. But everything you're inferring is 100 percent speculation, and I don't. It's very it. odd timing too, because a you know the biggest thing going on in ESPN this week is the college football, the national championship. True. I mean that's what everything. I mean it's on 17 different platforms tonight this game mm-hmm. so they're focusing all their attention on that the Patriots weren't even playing that week it was a bye week so yeah. it was almost kind of like hey they're trying to do a hatchet job on the Patriots but they also did it at a time when they weren't playing so by the time you get to the game and the preparation for it that the new cycle's over for it it's not a big deal yeah maybe so I mean, it's just it's, well, it's, I mean it's we'll, we'll see if it, if, if it hypes up this week now that the Patriots are on the docket um you know, coming to play the, the Titans on whatever Sunday, I guess. Yes. Um, but th- there's one other thing I want to talk about um, in terms of the coach search. Um, so the Oakland Raiders or Los Angeles or Las Vegas, whatever they are, the Raiders um, went out and essentially bought John Gruden for a hundred million dollars and probably some stake in the team or some shit like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is um, that, well, the point I'm making is, Jack Del Rio was not doing a bad job. Um, it just seemed to be that maybe they were – that Mark Davis was biding his time until John Gruden was ready to leave and didn't want Gruden to go anywhere besides back to the Raiders. Um, so Del Rio is out of a job. Now, I'm not going to suggest that he should be the head coach, but would you like him as a defensive coordinator? Sure. I mean some guys are prime coordinators. They're not good head coaches. I think he's I think he falls into that category. You know, I looked into it because, you know, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator for as many years as he's been a head coach. And it's mainly because he's such a good defensive coordinator. Well, it would seem that he's such a good defensive coordinator that he doesn't stay there for long. He spent three years with the Broncos, um, one of which was their Super Bowl loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, those three years, two of them, they were ranked second in the league in total defense and third in the league in total defense. And when he was with Carolina in 2002, I think, mm-hmm. um, the Carolina Panthers were ranked number two in total defense also. Um, he also runs a 4-3, which is what this roster is built on. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's going to come down to the head coach, obviously, um, but I mean, this might be a total alignment of planets for the Giants here. If if um, for no reason at all, the Raiders Raiders just decide that they want John Gruden and they let Jack Del Rio hit the market. 
I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, is there still a head coaching market for Jack Del Rio? Probably. So if that's the case, he probably wouldn't be downgrading to go back to being a coordinator. Well, I mean, there, just because there's a market for him and he gets an interview doesn't mean he'll get the job. Right, but I mean, like, if he has his options, if he, you know, I, I think he, I think he's going to try to exhaust all his options for being a head coach somewhere before he would do that. And I think, you know, I think some, I think some team will pick him up as a head coach. Remember, John Fox is also still in the market. Jim yeah. Schwartz is. Well, hey, you say UG, but he keeps getting jobs means that he they can keep, can get a job. Yeah, I mean, the Norv Turners of the world would, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets another head coaching job somewhere. Yeah. So I, I mean. It's just a suggestion, just something that came out uh, in my mind. Well, let, let's kind of get right to the chase since we were talking about the ESPN article and let's cut, put our official opinions out there. Is there a snowball's chance in hell that Bill Belichick will be the Giants head coach in 2018 or 2019 or 2020? In my opinion, no. No, I don't think nope. so. No. Uh, I, I do think that there was a time where he would have liked to use the Patriots as a jumping off point to go back to the Giants. But that time passed him by because he was so successful. There was no sense to leave. And it's not as if I see him leaving the Patriots to go anywhere. It's not It's not because of the Giants. It's just because he's getting up there in age. He's winning. I mean, why? why? I, I've always felt that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will retire at the same time. Uh, and so that, well, that time has to be coming within the next couple of years. I would think so. But also, you know, coaches do leave on top and go somewhere else. I mean, Phil Jackson left the Bulls after six titles. And I get it because Jordan was retiring and all that other stuff. But, you know, Belichick is – would you say Belichick's a young 65? Sure. I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, when, when – Tom Coughlin was about his age. You already started hearing about the – he's starting to get up there in age. You know, you never, ever hear that about Belichick. Well, I think so, also because Tom Coughlin was never as successful. I mean even like year to year, the well, records, was, Tom Coughlin uh, was, you know, for the most part around 10 and 6, 9 and 7. The Patriots are routinely 11 and 5 or better. Yeah. Um, if he leaves, it's got nothing to do with, you know, being retired. I think it's one of those things where he's, you know, if, if that story is true and he was told he had a trade Garoppolo, I think I could definitely see him saying, you know, something, fuck off. I'm done. Yeah. Well, there's the other he, thing too. And, and a lot of people have pointed this out wherever he goes, he's going to want total control and the giants will never give that to him. Never. I sincerely doubt it. I think it depends on the person. I think it's very rare that they would, but I think for someone like Belichick, again, you know, he also he is not the GM in New England. I mean, he does have a puppet that is there, so it's not like he, you know, I, I you know, and again, he's sixty-five years old. Maybe he doesn't want to have the complete, complete control where he's the GM or VP of football operations, in addition to being head coach. You think so? Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Davis Webb thing. Like, you have a plan with Davis Webb, but when something falls out of the sky, you change your plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sorry, Davis, we move on. You know, we just got Dave Gettleman. The plan is he's our GM, but if, if 
Bill Belichick says, listen, I'm out of here in New England. I would like to be the, the head coach of the New York Giants, and I would like to have complete control. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> you might be gone. Yeah. These guys, they serve at the pleasure of the owners. They can hire and fire as they please. Giants have enough money. They can afford to pay Dave Gettleman's sal- you know, salary the rest of the way. That's true. Yeah, I mean – do, I mean, do you think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Bill Belichick is the head coach of the New York Giants between 2018, 19, or 2020? I think there's a snowball's chance in hell. <clears throat> I, I don't think it's something I would bet on for sure. I think if he is no longer the coach of the Patriots and after this playoff run, I think the odds are probably 40-60 he's the Giants coach the year after. We're going to keep an eye on all the uh... – Keep our ear to the ground for any of the head coaching things that come up. Um, I imagine that we'll have an answer on who the head coach is going to be relatively soon. I think getting the GM in place was really trying to get the ball rolling to get 2018 on the move and you know fix all the problems there are. So I expect within like two weeks there's probably going to be a head coaching head yeah. coach named so the interviews are going on now you're not going to sit on those interviews for three weeks i don't think there's that i don't think there's that one guy who won't have the permission to speak for potentially another four weeks that they're going to wait on for something i think they if they knew who that guy was they would have spoke with him already so yeah so hopefully by next week in our next podcast we'll have we'll have something to talk about uh, a new head coach that we can dissect their career and what it means and what we think will happen with the roster and the you know, the coordinator vacancies, you know, if, if, if we have any news before next episode, we might do an earlier broadcast, you know, depending on our schedules or whatever, but we will definitely, definitely retweet, give our opinions on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. Um, if we're, there is any change to our broadcast due to any big news, like a head coach being announced, uh, our new schedule will be up on the, the Twitter account for the podcasters at just giants pod. And I'm sure Mike will say something on Twitter as well. Yeah, we, and we'll, I'm sure we'll jump on for an emergency podcast if we need to. So uh, you could catch me on Twitter as always at the Cranky Fan. A uh, lot going on. I'm sure I will be blowing off some steam over this national championship game, and you know things going on with the playoffs and everything. So at the Cranky Fan. Uh, also, you know, follow, the, listen to the show, download it, subscribe to it from iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us your five-star rating and a nice review so the more ratings and reviews we get, the more Giant fans can hear us and the more people we can get into arguments with on Twitter. So please do that. Please do that. All right, everybody. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.